With a candid admission about his own worry and his wife's intervention, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. I start getting worried and anxious and good old Marie, that girl doesn't worry about nothing. And she'll just look at me and go, Ed, what's your problem, man? And I say, babe, what's your problem? No, we don't do that. <laughs> but she's so sweet in my life, and I'm surrounded with others that don't have this problem with worry, and they snap me back into reality and say, look, Ed, get your eyes back on the Lord, man. Because that's my problem, isn't it? I wouldn't think so much if I just trust the Lord. This is amazing grace. This is Worry has another name, and that's fear. We all face it to some degree. And maybe in the midst of this pandemic, it's at an all-time high in your life. But there is a remedy, and we'll get into it today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. As we continue in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we'll show you how to know God's will and what often gets in the way, fear and worry. Worry arrests spiritual growth and can even, and you guys know this, some of you know this personally, worry can even create physical problems in your body, like ulcers and severe headaches and neck pain and back pain. And before you know it, not only will it start messing with your physical body, but fear can start messing with your mind. And real fears can often lead to irrational fears. And you just see, man, what happened to that guy? Well, most likely, perhaps, somewhere down the road, they were gripped with fear and they never recovered. I love what Corey Ten Boom said. She said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It only empties today of its strength. Isn't that true? I mean, worry just doesn't do anything productive. Let me ask you a question. What is exactly, do you, can you guys remember, what was it exactly that you were worried about on April 19th, 1987, at about 4 o'clock? Now, let's do 4.15. How's that? 4.15, way back when. Now, some of you are like, well, wait a minute, I know exactly what I was worried about because I was worried for a whole year that year. No, that, I'm not talking to you. Just in that isolated time, that day, that, that day that you lost, that day that, that you had that headache, that day with the migraine, the day where you had to lay out, because what, what were you worried about? Most likely you have no idea. You know why? Because it didn't come to pass. When you look back on it, it's a much broader scale. You don't even remember, do you? Because so much of what we worry about takes us away from today. Let me just say, just between you and me, I am a notorious worrier. I have dealt with that my entire life, believer and unbeliever alike. And you know, it's even worse for me, man, because I like to think things through. I start getting worried and anxious, and, and I start to think things through. And then, good old Marie, man, that girl doesn't worry about nothing. And she'll just look at me and go, Ed, what's your problem, man? And I say, babe, what's your problem? No, we don't do that. <laughs> 
but she's so sweet in my life and I'm surrounded with others that don't have this problem with worry and they snap me back into reality and say, look, Ed, get your eyes back on the Lord, man. Because that's my problem, isn't it? I wouldn't think so much if I just trust the Lord. No, don't, don't get me wrong. I know that we can isolate things and go, well, Ed, what do you mean? You know, we don't need to think anymore. No, 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 that's not, that's not what I'm saying at all. God wants to apprehend your mind and use all of you. That's what he says right here in verse 1. He says, give all of your body over, and that includes your mind. But I'm speaking to those that love to worry, get caught up in anxiousness, and lose day after day, and week after week, and month after month. When the things that we worry about, many of them don't come to pass. And even if they do come to pass, we have this faithful God who takes care of us. Because you can look back, can't you? Remember the tough time you went through a couple years ago, how tough it was? I mean, it was so tough that when Christians came because they loved you and they came to talk to you and they said, you know, the Lord gave me a verse for you, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And they shared it with you. God's working all things together for the good, for those that love him, those that are called according to the purpose. You didn't even take it, huh? You didn't like it. So I don't, don't give me that verse. You don't understand what I'm going through. And all they don't want to do is love you and take care of you and give you a verse that God popped in. But at the time, it was so tough and so difficult, you wouldn't even receive scriptures. But as God walked you through it, And you look back, you can see now the genuineness and sincerity of the person that came to you. And you can see now, oh, that is a true verse. Because God got me through it. It was tough going through it, but his strength was so good. And I trusted him. And I learned how to trust him. And fear just stops us right in our tracks. It just completely takes us away from fruitfulness in our lives. And I love this back in Romans 12 as we wind down. You see, for those of you that are worriers right now, you can relate to the effects of worry and fear, can't you? You can really relate. You could add a few. You're amen. Oh, yeah. I, I, amen, brother. I know. I'm a worrier. I, I, man, I got more problems than that. You know, I can share a few. I can add a few. I mean, I got bigger. You know, I do it on my computer. I don't even take the piece of paper out anymore. I got a computer program that I wrote specifically for my worry. I, man, amen. You can relate to the effects, but... You might be having a hard time relating to the solution. Oh, come on, Ed. Pray. That's going to get me out of fear and anxiety. Just pray. Sounds so simple. Stop worrying. That's impossible. We'll flip over to Matthew chapter 6. I know Romans 12, behold that there. Matthew chapter 6, as Jesus shares with us. You know, there's a great pattern in the scriptures when you find something in the Old Testament throughout the Old Testament, a theme. And then you come into the New Testament and Jesus teaches on it. It's picked up in the book of Acts and it's carried on through through the letters. As you study them, you know there's a pattern and God wants us to deal with worry. And so Jesus here in Matthew chapter 6, he's almost as matter of fact as Paul is. As you pick up with me, let's look at verse 24, would you? Matthew 6, 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. For he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, he's speaking of money here, but you can fill in the blanks with any two competing desires. You can't serve the world in Jesus Christ. You serve Jesus first, and then God takes you into the world to be a witness. But if you dabble in the world and and you go, wow, man, I want to live for the world. I can handle that, and I'll live for God. And you got one foot in the world and one foot in the church. For those of you that know, that's a miserable place to be. And with one foot in the world, let me just say, church, it's only a matter of time before both feet are there. 
You present your bodies to the world again and its system. And we'll get into that as we get through in the balance of Romans chapter 12, these couple verses. We'll get into that in future weeks. So you can't serve two masters. You've got to make up your mind. As Elijah said, you've got to choose. As Joshua said, he says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, man. And so notice now, Jesus speaks of worry, verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat or what you'll drink nor about your body, what you'll put on. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Then he says, look at the birds of the air. And that's a great time of the year to do that now. They're all back and tweet, tweet, tweeting all around your house, right? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? I mean, have you ever seen a group of birds marching up and down in your front lawn there? And you go up and go, what's going on? And I go, we just don't know how to pay the mortgage on the nest, man. We're just trying to figure it out. Where are we going to get the next worm? No way, they're so carefree. They're just, like the birds are hooking it up. They love it. It's just so cool to watch them. They just enjoy it. There's something built into the bird that trusts their creator. And they're not fretting around. They're just living life. Well, he says in verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? I mean, who can add 18 inches? Who can add one inch for that matter? And actually, worrying usually does the opposite. Stresses you out and... So why do you worry, he says, about clothing? Let me just stop there and I can answer the question. If we just stop there and say, so why do you worry? I could tell you. We worry because we don't trust God. He's going to say it in a moment, you of little faith, but that is the essence. We worry because we don't trust God. He says, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet, I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And so now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? I have that marked in my Bible. It's just, Lord, I don't want to have little faith. It reminds me of the garden with the apostles. Remember, as they were there, they were supposed to be praying. What were they doing? Sleeping. We're supposed to be on watch and fall asleep. Jesus comes back to them and they're all, you know, kind of groggy and goes, you guys, the spirit's willing, isn't it? Oh, yeah, but the flesh is weak. I don't want to be of little faith, Lord. I want you to strengthen my faith. Therefore, do not worry, verse 31, saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, but your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Another favorite verse of mine goes so well with Romans chapter 12 here where he says, present your bodies, we'll seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all these things, they'll be added unto you. God will add what is needed in our lives. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Just trusting God today. You know, some of you, in your profession, God has trained you to trust You're just not sure where the next job's going to come from or you're not sure where the next sale's going to come from and you're not sure how the corporation is going to do and you're not sure with the training that you received. And and God has just been training you. You've probably never even seen that, but God has been training you to trust him, training you to lean on him. He's been training you to hold fast even when you don't see what's going to happen around the corner. Yeah, you guys with kids, God's been training you with those kids to trust God, especially when they start to fly out of the nest and they make their own decisions and you're like, oh my, 
If I was in their shoes, I wouldn't make that decision, but you have to trust, don't you? So God, apprehend their hearts. Prevent them from making any more bad decisions. And then through Bible study, God teaching us to trust, giving us example after example. Back in Romans 12 now, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. And by the way, if you haven't been here for the last few weeks, grab the studies off the web, get the MP3s, go downstairs, grab the CDs, catch up with us. Catch up with us in this section here, because they all go together. As they, We can look at them isolated as we are, but then when you put them all together, it's unfolded before us how glorious it is, how God wants to reveal his will in your life. He says, I beseech you, I beg you guys, present your bodies. It's interesting because he specifies here. He doesn't say, present your minds. Because some of you have battles in your minds. You go, oh, I'll just present my mind over. He doesn't say, oh, present your job or present your money or present your gifts. or present." He says, you know, here's the solution. All of it. Your body, your soul, your mind, all of who you are. You know why? Because Jesus Christ, he purchased all of us by his precious blood. All of us. Our gifts, our talents, our careers, our minds, our resources, every part of us. The Bible says that our bodies is home base for the Holy Spirit to live his life through us, to animate us. Where our hands become hands of Jesus, where our feet become the feet of Jesus, where our mouths now become the mouths of Jesus, where our eyes now see human need and we use the faculties of our body to reach out. Can you think of the people in Scripture that their bodies were used in great ways. I mean, can you not think of David, just a little guy? Just a little guy, David. It was his hand, and it was that sling and those smooth stones that took the giant down, man. When everyone else was paralyzed in fear, it's just the little old David, his slingshot skills took down a giant. How about Moses? I think of the mouth of Moses. You know, when Moses is called by God, He says, I can't speak. Many scholars suggest that Moses was dealing with a severe speech impediment, perhaps even a heavy-duty stuttering problem, where in his mind he was thinking, I I, 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 I got, I can't, my mouth, I could. But what happened with Moses, man? He stood before Pharaoh, the leader of the known world, and he said, you let my people go. Wow. Oh, man, God used Moses' mouth not only before Pharaoh, but he also used Moses' mouth in rehearsing the law to the children of Israel. He gave the law, and he gave direction for the new generation to go. He spoke forth the words of God. You think of David. You think of Moses. How about Paul, the apostle? Before Paul was the apostle, he was known in the Bible as Saul of Tarsus, this Christian hater a guy that took it upon himself in the name of God to destroy everyone that called upon the name of the Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, his feet and his hands and his mouth and his mind enraged with anger and animosity. He was driven to destroy the church, but Saul of Tarsus becomes Paul the Apostle, and those very same feet took the gospel to the known parts of the world. His hands often held a quill writing down the very words of God inspired by the Holy Spirit that we're studying today. His mouth speaking forth to a scribe who then was writing down the very words of God. You see, our bodies are important, all of them. All of the things that God wants to use in our lives, and yet fear and worry, they just so stunt our growth. Have you noticed? 
And so the Bible says, don't worry, be happy. (laughs) Here's a little song I wrote. (laughs) I might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Now that song doesn't make me happy. (laughs) Doesn't make me be any less worried, but that joy that we have in the Lord, that strength that we have not to worry, presenting our bodies to him as a living sacrifice that God might animate his life through us, feet that walk, hands that reach out, eyes that see, ears that hear. Last night I asked a brother to come up and share a testimony after the service. He's been in our church for quite a while. He got news earlier this year that his brother, his younger brother, was diagnosed with leukemia. And of course, as a church family, we prayed and interceded and cried out to God. And through the process of the chemotherapy, it came to the place where they said, you know, he really could use a bone marrow transplant. And so as the family took the tests, George was a natural match, his brother. And so he just finished flying back to Michigan, doing all the things that were needed, the bone marrow, and now he's back. And, and I thought, what an example of someone presenting their body to be used of God. You can pray for Tim. We look forward to hearing great and wonderful testimony of Tim's life. He was here in Colorado for a while, attended our fellowship, and now by many miles away we get to pray for him. Do you know that story in many different variations could be repeated over and over again of where you've decided to present your bodies to God and offer yourself? That God, he wants to use all of you? You would wonder, you know, what do I have to offer? Who am I really? And yet, as you present yourself to God, he'll begin to show exactly why you exist on this planet. Exactly what he wants to do. Very clearly, very, very precisely how he wants to use you with your feet, with your hands, with your mouth, with your bone marrow. All of us. And there's so many examples of how God has used bodies. And you know, there's also some examples of how men have used their bodies against God. Remember Cain? Well, he used his hands to kill his brother. You know, Moses, as great as God used his mouth, he also was a murderer of that Egyptian. Oh, David, David's eyes got him in trouble, didn't they? As he saw that woman and his eyes was attracted, were attracted to that woman, Bathsheba, and he committed adultery with her. And then, well, and then his mind started working and he figured out a way to get rid of her husband, murdered him. You see, it all depends on where you're going to present your bodies, gang. You present your bodies to God, he'll use you in every area of this world for the glory of his name and the furtherance of his gospel. You see, there's something about God that I've noticed in the scriptures. I've noticed it throughout ministry as well. God is attracted to human weakness. There's an attraction. Paul would write to the Corinthians, he'd say, God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He uses the wise to confound the wise as well. But he loves to use human weakness. It becomes a vessel for him to show himself strong. And in those areas where you perceive yourself as incredibly weak could just very well be the place where God wants to use you greatly so that at the end of the day, he gets all the glory and all the attention for great things he has done. Where his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so, this piece of the puzzle, Paul teaches us that discovering the will of God is It's just not piece by piece. 
It's not, I'll try this thing out and I'll give a little at a time and I'll build it up. He says, no, make the decision, just go for it. Dive in with both feet, if you will. Just joke, just, just completely give yourself over to the things of God, all of you. You're listening to Abounding Grace with our Bible teacher and pastor, Ed Taylor. We're going through Romans right now. To give this a second listen, all you need to do is visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or you can listen through our app, and that can be found by searching for Calvary Aurora. Pastor Ed, today you mentioned your battle with worry and how your wife, Marie, helps you at times to snap out of it. But what about those who don't have a Marie? What steps can they take when struggling in the fight against worry? You talked about prayer and faith. Can you elaborate on that? Well, Larry, as this question right now in this moment being answered, I've got a few things on my mind that are troubling me. Uh, I actually walked into my office, walked into my studio here, and have some things on my mind that I am worried about. And I've got some worries and some thoughts and some what-ifs. And and if if I didn't have this time of interview and I didn't have this time of going live on the radio in a few moments, I probably would spend some time wrestling over them, thinking through them, battling through prayer, dismissing them, casting them, running back and picking them up and bringing them with me, putting them on my the backpack of my life and carrying a burden. It's it's a mess. And I know that, you know, the people listening in and go, my goodness, Ed, you're you're messed up. You're a pastor, aren't you? And I yeah, by the grace of God, I get to do what I do, but I do so in the strength of the Lord in the weakness of my own humanity. And you, you're right, that's a great way to phrase it. I kind of chuckled uh, when I heard, what about those who don't have a Marie? Um, I'm sorry that you don't have someone in your life that can look at you in the eye and just say, look, uh, that is, you're, you're not thinking uh, reality, you're not walking in faith, you're not trusting God right now, uh, and, and I just would pray that God would put somebody in your life like that. But even if you don't have someone, the Holy Spirit, His message to us continually is to trust. That, that is the overarching message in our relationship with God. Would you trust God? And, and isn't it true that we trust God in things that we think we have control over, and then the things that we don't have control over, we freak out? Or I was praying for someone recently, and they were diagnosed with cancer, and and I w- as I was praying, you know, I was even praying this out loud that we have faith when we're praying for someone with a headache, there's no question in our minds that God can take away that headache. But then when we're praying for someone that's been diagnosed with cancer, we're overwhelmed by it, and we're uncertain, and we're like, oh no, woe is me. And yet both of those uh, situations are, are difficulties in the body, and God is greater than them all. And so prayer and faith, but really repenting of the sin of worry is key. That, that it's not something, don't make worry your friend. Uh, don't allow worry to be your companion. But rather, when God reveals to you the sin of worry, repent. And, and I like to go back from time to time to the book of Matthew there in chapter 7 and listen to Jesus like he was sitting across the table from me reminding me not to worry, and and thinking back of how faithful he's been. I, I remember times in my life where God was faithful, and I didn't, follow, I didn't follow him at all. And just graciously, without any relationship with him, 
he was he was faithful and how much more now in Christ uh, and and so much more now in Christ uh, so great question uh, I know God is going to be with you um, I know worry is a pain uh, that we wish we didn't have but day by day moment by moment God enables us to trust him and to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us thanks for those encouraging words my friend Abounding Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners. Each gift that comes in serves to help us pay for radio time and production costs. And think of this. You'll be helping thousands all over the world learn about God's amazing grace and how to grow by it. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'd like to say thanks by sending you a useful resource. It's A Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. I'm sure we've all experienced pain, loss, or heartache at the hands of other believers, and it can be a confusing time. But rather than turn bitter and angry, you can experience healing and hope. Gene Edwards looks at David, Saul, and Absalom. I know you'll be touched as you read this incomparable story. Just call 877-30-GRACE to make your request and donation today. We'll pick up where we left off in Romans next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.